When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Yes. And we like nice things. <laughs> oh, well, that's it, a good segue to uh, our joining our Patreon. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was referencing who, I can't remember her name, that Real Housewives lady that you always thought that was boring. I'm very lim- My knowledge is very limited on these people, but. Well, and then you saying I think they're boring. That could be a number of them. So I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> She's, uh, she, it's a peach, so it's in Atlanta. She's well, very beautiful, but she would, that was her little phrase. Like, I Portia? Like, no. I like nice things. Who? Don't we all, bitch? God damn it. Cynthia? No, not, I don't know her. She's the, the model. Yeah. Who said she? I don't know. I just remember something about her building a house that never got built. Can't, oh, God. I even forgot her name. Yeah, see. It'll come to me. But anyway, moving Moving on, we now have a Patreon, so the link to that will be in the description of this episode and the podcast description. We have two tiers. One gives access to all of the content. The higher price tier gives people an opportunity to make one review request per month. So we have a few things up already. Mm Mm-hmm. Help us get more nice things by oh supporting us on Patreon. <laughs> anyway, today is New Year's Eve. Yes, it is. It's the last day of this wonderful year. Do you have a resolution? Yeah, get this GD script finished. Oh, okay. That's a good <sighs> one. Among many others. But um, yeah, do you? Uh, I'll just continue to bless the wonder of life and the newness of living. That's very housewifey of you. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. We watched Neil Brennan interview Kathy Griffin. I Most of it was familiar to me because she performed on the last Atlantis cruise I was on. So everything she said was like I had heard it during her show on the cruise. But what did you think of uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. I kind of liked both of them together. I, I also... I kind of like him, but uh, I feel bad for what she had to go through. And a lot of it seems very extreme, but it's not that I don't believe her, but God, it just sounds, if you're in her inner circle, that sounds like a lot to deal with. Um, But, you know, she was the, the Trump administration, I believe chose to make an example of her and they, they tried to be ruinous with uh, their actions against her. And I think that she should be very vocal about, what she went through yeah i mean it's i'm a little shocked that there wasn't more support for her i'm because what she did i mean just seems kind of benign like taking it it is but people comedic shots at a president is commonplace but look at how look how hollywood acted during the mccarthy administration's raise of hollywood people were turncoats they don't 
people don't want to get their hands dirty. Andy, sure. Andy Cohen, they, in that interview, they play a little clip of him basically saying he doesn't know Kathy Griffin. Well, Andy Griffin He's or a, Andy uh, Cohen Andy, is gross. Andy Cohen's gross. That's somebody that deserves to be canceled. By but yeah, I, I feel bad for her. And, you know, now that she's older and clearly she's had health issues and her voice is different because of the lung cancer and all that, it's, you know, she's she's been through it. I hope that her career has a little bit of a resurgence. Yeah, I think she, I think she should be okay, I hope. Gypsy Rose Blanchard is out of jail, y'all. She people probably know her story from that documentary, Mommy Dead and Dearest. Well, then there was a a series made about that wasn't with Patricia Arquette, right? Was it The Vow? Which we also watched. I did not watch. We didn't. That. No, I would like to. I mean, I I like I like Patty Arquette. Um, we didn't watch The Vow. You didn't with me. Oh, hmm. I did watch Mommy Dead and Dearest with you. For people who don't know, Gypsy Rose Blanchard is this young woman who her mother, so we, we learned from the documentary that her mother basically, um, it was Munchausen by proxy, right? Which is no longer called that. It's called factitious disorder imposed on another FDIA, I think, but yes, Munchausen by proxy. So basically the mother was making her daughter, Gypsy Rose sick. Mm-hmm. and perpetuating several medical conditions to get attention, money. So these two benefited the mother specifically from these different organ, like nonprofits and whatnot, um, providing aid and just wanting all of the attention. And Gypsy Rose underwent um, like medical procedures that were not necessary mm-hmm. because of the mother perpetuating these various uh, disease states, I don't know. But the story escalated very quickly when the mother, Dee Dee, was murdered by Gypsy Rose's boyfriend. Uh, wait, wasn't it an online boyfriend? Yeah. And, and so the boyfriend and Gypsy Rose were convicted. He was convicted of first-degree murder and was sentenced to life. And Gypsy Rose was convicted of, I believe, second-degree murder and was sentenced to 10 years. So she just got out after serving like 85% of her term. And so now she's on parole. But yeah, for people who haven't seen the documentary, Mommy Dead and Dearest, I would recommend it. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Because I think like that poor. <sighs> I mean, they, you know, that that documentary deserves a better title. Than yeah. That, but, uh... but, you know, clearly setting up someone to be murdered is wrong. Well, of course, but also the mother was cuckoo. <laughs> well, because I think the big question in the documentary, from what I recall, is whether or not I think Gypsy understood what was happening. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, well, if you understood, why didn't you try to get help or tell someone? Like murdering your mother is not the only way to get out of that situation. So, and then yeah. we find out that you know, her relationship with this boyfriend, like their conversations were quite sexual. So she was actually a lot more adult than how she was portrayed. The mother also lied about Gypsy's age. Uh So people thought she was much younger than she actually was. It's a really demented story, but she's out. She has a 
like I think a memoir she wrote while she was in prison that's going to be released next week sometime maybe. Glad she spent her time well. I'd be curious to know what she has to say. I'd rather, I mean, I'm more interested in that than reading Britney Spears. Okay, since it's the end of the year, I thought we could maybe just go over our letterboxed like year in review. Oh, yeah. How many... Hold on, let me pull mine up. How many films did we log in 2023? I logged 361, which means that I watched basically one movie a day. Uh-huh. How many films did you log? As of today, okay. I'm sure I'll you know watch something today, but at, at 1,063. So average per week would be... Uh, it doesn't say well, it. it says, oh, per week, 20. 20. So that means you watch almost three movies a day. And 88, almost 89 per month. So that's excessive. Let's move on to the actors. <laughs> so rude. We watched the most in 2023. Uh-huh. Uh, I have the top 10 are like all the same number of times. So I guess they're all equivalent. Who are some people in your top 10? Uh, number one, the number one actor, Parker Posey. I watched 18 films with her this year. But again, that was in preparation to interview her. My number one is Vivica A. Fox. <laughs> with how many? Just six. Just six. Okay. Parker Posey's on my list. I also have, well, you know, I watched, I, I rewatched um, like five of the Saw films. Yeah. So Tobin Bell and Shawnee Smith are in there. Raquel Welch is in it, but she died this past died. year. So um, I think, yeah. But I have Sigourney Weaver and Raquel Welch at 10 films each. I also have Sigourney Weaver in mine. I have Bob Balaban. I don't know who that is. You do. He's in all the Christopher Guest films. Oh. So when we, uh, in anticipation of Parker, we rewatched okay. four of those. <laughs> who else do you want to shout out? I got Willem Dafoe at nine, Chris Walken at eight, Isabelle Huppert at eight. Glenda Jackson, who died this year at eight. I have Tobin Bell at eight because okay. we watched rewatched Saw films, and he popped up. He pops up randomly as a character actor and stuff like The Firm. Oh, who, Treat Williams at eight. Who's your uh, top director? Woody Allen at nine because uh, I had wanted to a lot of his early stuff I hadn't watched in years. So prior to Letterboxd and. Uh, in preparation of watching coup de chance at Venice this year. My number one is Christopher guest. Okay. Um, I have some people in here. I don't even recognize who's Christopher Bordley. Oh, he directed uh, dream scenario and sick of myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Peyton Reed. He directed Ant-Man and oh. uh, bring it on. Darren Lynn Boozman. Oh God. The saw films. Like, oh. two, like the not the James Wan first one, like two, three, four, or something like that. Okay, well, that's those are some names I had on there that, who I didn't recognize oh, in my top ten. <laughs> um, I have Aki Karzmaki at nine, eight, Alfred Hitchcock at seven, Scorsese, Friedkin, Ken Russell, Roman Polanski, Marco Bellocchio, all at six. All right, and then for ladies, uh, Liliana Cavani and Ida Lupino at three each. Okay. And black directors, Carl Franklin at four. What's the first film you watched in 2023? I have Jack Frost listed. That really bad horror movie from what year is that? 
97. I have Party Monster, the that biopic with Macaulay Culkin well, because we and did Seth a, Green. We did a um, a podcast on that. Moving on to our... But you watched most of Jack Frost with me. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Moving on to our Apple Music replay for 2023. Mm. We can just go through our top songs and artists. <laughs> What's your number 10 song? <gasps> Oh my God. Moni Moni by Billy Idol. Mine is If Only You Knew by SWV. Okay. Which people may know Patti LaBelle's version, but Coco kills it on the SWV version. What's your number nine? Sands by Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood. Mine is Burn It Up by Janet Jackson oh, yeah, I know that featuring one. Missy Elliott from her Unbreakable album. What's your number eight? Always by Erasure. My number eight is Wake Me Up by Remy Ma featuring Little Kim. Oh it samples God. Little Kim's Queen Bitch uh, track, but there's a line in there that she says, if that's your dog, you better check that bitch. And I <laughs> I think about that line a lot. Your number seven. Wham Rap by Wham. <laughs> wow, you were inspired. I was. My number seven is On Top, that Mary J. Blige song. Uh Number six. Boss Bitch by Doja Cat. <laughs> Mine is the live version of Never Enough by Lauren Allred. That white oh, lady can sing. Yeah, she can. Mm-hmm. Your number five. Sabali, the Vitalik remix by Amadou and Miriam. My number five is Czar by Busta Rhymes from his most recent album. Oh, wow. Okay. That has a really good beat. Your number four. I Am The Strip Club by Iggy Azalea. <laughs> You heard me playing that, and then I, I was like, "Oh, what is this?" Oh my god, you like it more than I do. I do. I that's that's a nice, uh, like when I'm walking around wanting to be cunty. My number four is "Pay Me" by the drag queen Shangela. Oh yeah, that's, I like playing that song at the gym when I need to get hype. That's a good hype song. Um, yeah, <laughs> she better stop looking at me from that cubicle. No, that's Shangela's first single. That's not from "Pay Me." No. Oh yeah, yeah, that's. Um, but now, now that you just said that, now I want to start. I need to add that. What's to my the point. line from? Pay- oh, the Cointadas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's your number four? Number number four was Iggy Azalea. Oh, what's your number three? Violet by Hole. Oh, my number three is a song called "On" by Gloria Estefan. That has such oh, a good yeah, beat. Yeah, that is a good. And song. if people want to see a good drag queen lip sync, uh, Kennedy Davenport lip syncs to this song on by gloria stefan you can yes. find it on youtube so good what's your number two uh Ornico flow some kind of remix that i can't read the whole name of by Enya. Oh, i now now i'm inspired to play the pure moods cd no but the, this is like a, a i know a, it's a dancey version a hype remix of it my number two is your body by christina aguilera okay yeah <laughs> i don't have anything to say about that okay i just like the breakdown at the end. Oh, sure. What's your number one song of 2023? I'm so shocked that this ended up at number one. I guess I had a week where it was on repeat, but um, or probably two weeks. Slip Away by Perfume Genius, which was a song we discovered in that indie film, Unidentified Objects. Oh, okay. Yeah. My number one is Throw It Back by Big Frida. <laughs> I love this song. Uh, it definitely gets me hype at the gym. Uh, you need some good speakers, though, some good earbuds, mm-hmm. good system in your car. But it's a great song. 
Okay, now we'll move to top artist. Oh my God. <laughs> Who's your number 10? I'm so embarrassed, but Venga Boys. <laughs> uh, get It's not that song, though. I had a song on repeat um, that up and down. Oh, I know that one, too. <laughs> that's the song that landed them at number 10. I'm, I am actually embarrassed. Cause, um, okay, know. my number 10 artist is a little embarrassing because this artist is ahead of Whitney Houston and Christine W., both who I love. My number 10 artist is Brooke Hogan. Well, Hulk you look, Hogan's daughter. But you like that one song. Because she has a one song called Move that I really like. I remember, so I play that a lot. <laughs> you like to quiz people. He did this to me where, who guess who this is? And then plays that goddamn song. And then I have no well, idea. Well, it's fun because you, you think it's like a decent song. And then you're like, that's fucking Brooke Hogan. Right. Because you're never going to guess Brooke Hogan. Who's your number nine artist? Iggy Azalea. <laughs> My number nine is Beyonce. Uh, I like her home or not her homecoming, her Beyonce live mm-hmm. um, CD, which is basically the B Day album. Who's your number eight artist? Amadou and Miriam. <laughs> that Sabali song, oh my God, I saw it in a Swedish film in Venice and I've been in love. My number eight artist is Christina Aguilera. She does have several songs I do like. Mm-hmm. Who's your number seven? And yeah. Mine is Mary J. Blige. She's a forever favorite. Mm-hmm. Your number six? Lady Tron. Mine is Big Frida. Your number five? Perfume Genius. My number five is Michael Jackson. Okay. I do enjoy him. R.I.P. Who's your number four? Wham. <laughs> My number four is Gloria Stefan. In addition to On, I really like that song, Wepa. Yeah, yeah. Well, Wepa. And then uh, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Who's your number three? Uh, Vitalik. Okay, I'm very surprised by my number three. And I don't know what I've been listening to, but my number three is Lady Gaga. Oh. And I don't even like her like that. I But I can name some songs I like. Sure. I like Applause. You do like that. Judas. I, I, I like the remix of that. Shiza. Oh, yeah. The... <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is a decent I don't song. speak German, but I can but... if you like. Ow! Mm-hmm. Okay, who's your number two? Hole. <laughs> my number two is madonna who of course i love and who's your number one artist of 2023 i'm i'm actually surprised because i don't it's madonna and i don't i i'm not cognizant of listening to her that much but and i do really like her but i don't i don't know i don't know well, what happened well my number one is no surprise it's janet demita joe jackson mm-hmm. yeah okay well <laughs> Yeah, that happens. Um, Moving on to the restaurant section. Mm -hmm. I went to an Einstein Bagels over the weekend to get breakfast. And they have some signage that talks about making like healthier choices. And so they have some options on how to do that, like getting egg whites in your breakfast sandwich and not, you know, the full egg or getting like double protein or making your bagel thin. So what does that mean? Because then I'm thinking, oh, they must have like those flatbread options. No. You know how they'll take your bagel and cut it in half? Well, they'll take those halves and cut those in half. Oh. So I was like, so does that mean I pay less? No. That's a racket. So I get half the bagel. Well, what do they do with that? Throw it away. Well, see, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. 
at least make bread pudding or something. And then we went to a restaurant called Casita del Campo, which we've been to before. It's a really cute Mexican restaurant in between like Los Feliz and Silver Lake. Mm -hmm. And they have a nice patio. The restaurant itself is quite nice. To me, it feels like a more mature El Compadre. Yes. Yeah. Still loud. But that's what I wanted to talk about. We liked our food. Um, that was the first time I think we ate there. We've been there for drinks, mm -hmm. but we actually ate. And you liked your food. You ordered some shrimp. Some shrimps. Yeah. And you got, usually you complain about the number of shrimps you what get. Is it, what was it? Camarones ales Diablo? <laughs> the, the devil shrimps. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you were happy with the quantity of shrimps. I, I was. And, you know, it, 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 I guess it makes me eat slower because I got to dig out the little meat part from the tail. And you got enough tortillas because you didn't even eat your last tortilla. Yeah, yeah. And then I ordered a chick, a shredded chicken burrito. I enjoyed it, but it was very interesting because the burrito was just shredded chicken and refried beans. That was it. That's mm -hmm. all that was in the burrito. And then I got the burrito wet, so like red sauce and cheese. But if I hadn't asked for my burrito wet, I would have just had a big ass tortilla filled with very tasty <laughs> chicken. It didn't mm -hmm. taste like canned shredded chicken. And some nice refried beans. And, you know, the chips and salsa. You didn't weren't crazy about the salsa. I'm a big fan of cilantro. I don't uh, like watery salsa. The, it To me, it was like if I decided to make salsa soup. Like Mexican <laughs> gazpacho. <laughs> yeah, I like my salsa to be like blended thick. So when I take my chip, like I can get a nice amount. I don't like that pico de gallo type where it's like you get big chunks of tomato and all the liquid is just. So then you just have a soggy chip. As Megan the Stallion says, there's too much drip. Yes. <laughs> Films released we didn't cover. Ferrari. You yeah, saw that movie. I did. I reviewed it for Ion Cinema out of the Venice Film Festival. I think that it's daring in a strange way in that it has all these actors speaking with a terrible uh, it, English and a terrible Italian accents in front of an Italian audience. Um, I mean, that's just balls. That's just... The only people that do that are Americans because that's unbelievable that this is the festival. These are the people that you're showing this to with Shailene Wood, Shailene Woodley doing like she couldn't even get a job in an Italian restaurant on the street doing that Ooh. accent. Um, it's fine that it has some good sequences. I'm surprised you didn't want to see it. You were very adamant about it. But um well, I, I love cars, but mm -hmm. I don't care about like Formula One racing. I don't care about like. Like, I don't enjoy, I like automotive technology more than, so sure. like that other movie, like Ford versus Ferrari. You'd like with Christian Bale. Or, or the other movie you reviewed on, uh, that's based on a grand, grand Turismo. Grand Turismo. Like things like that don't interest me at all. Yeah. And then I knew it wasn't going to be in Italian. So uh -huh. I definitely didn't want to watch uh, Penelope Cruz did, I did, of the leads, she gives a fine performance, but I I also think she's miscast. You know, oh. it's funny thinking. So she's playing an Italian again, like she played Wooden Tongues Donatella Versace, remember? And then uh, Adam Driver, again, playing an Italian, like after House of Gucci. I also feel like I have to throw it out into the universe whenever I get a chance. But my dream car, as I've mentioned before, is a Maserati Quattroporte Trofeo, and its engine is sourced by or from Ferrari. Oh, okay, good. So know. that's a connection there. Uh, next, the teacher's lounge. This was great. Um, I, I, I think I reviewed this. I'm pretty sure I reviewed this for Ion Cinema uh, last January for the Berlin Film Festival. 
so February actually, uh, directed by Iker Çatak, who's uh, Turkish German, and this is Germany's official submission for uh, best international feature. It's about a uh, it's about this lovely white German lady that gets herself embroiled in something she didn't need to by trying to investigate if a, a child really uh, stole something or not. <laughs> <laughs> and everything goes haywire. It's pretty damn good. Lastly, Time Bomb Y2K. This is a documentary about, you know, December 1999, uh, directed by Brian Becker and Marley McDonald, uh, kind of about the so the mass hysteria that was going on about what was going to happen at midnight. Do you remember where you were at midnight, Y2K? I was in trouble a lot as a child, so I was grounded. Uh, so I remember looking at the night sky in northern Minnesota at the stroke of midnight on... December 31st, 1999. Uh, I was working at the House of Blues at Mandalay Bay in Vegas. And I remember everyone in the casino kind of stopped because we all thought everything would shut down. Mm -hmm. So I remember standing like in the casino in front of the House of Blues working because I worked in the box office. And then midnight hit and the lights were still on. There was there were no explosions. <laughs> My my dumbass really thought the world was going to end. I think so. I was very relieved when I realized it wasn't. I I didn't think that it was. I uh, I think I, I was scared that bad things were going to happen. Well, maybe was, not like the world would implode, but just like I, yeah. I, I was stuck at home living with parents I no longer wanted to live with, so I was fine if it did go left. Because I also worked at Wells Fargo Bank at that same time because mm -hmm. uh, I had three part time jobs: Wells Fargo, Trader Joe's, and um, the House of Blues. And I remember thinking, oh, the bank, like, we're, we're going to go to work and everything's going to be erased or something. <laughs> Moving on to projects of interest, something about Kafka? Yeah, uh, Agnieszka Holland is now directing, because she does about a movie a year, uh, doing a Kafka biopic. And I think a 10-year-old I read was cast, so she must, Oh, I don't know if she's focusing only on his childhood. Um, I'd be interested in that. Of course, I it made me want to rewatch because I haven't in years and years and years. Soderbergh did a film on Kafka that is uh, a little bit. It, I remember being very interesting, uh, although I think I remember reading it was compromised or cut in a way that he didn't like. I thought it was going to be there was going to be a, anyway. I, I want to watch that. I watch that. Unfortunately, there is an entry in the obituary section. Tom Wilkinson died. Yeah. What do we know him from? Well, the full Monty, probably Michael Clayton. Oh, yes. um, you should remember him as LBJ from Ava DuVernay's Selma. Oh, uh, I know I've talked about this movie a lot, but uh, maybe I need to make you rewatch it with Jessica Lange and uh, himself where he's married to her and transitions to being a woman. Oh, and, yeah, I a, don't remember that. In the movie Normal from 2003. Uh, I mean, he's just been a, a great character actor that's been around forever that I think in the past 20 years has finally started to be a little bit more recognizable. Well, goodbye to this person. Let's take a break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
This week's secret film was your choice, and you chose the 1947 American film noir with fantasy elements. Repeat performance. Yes, which I've never seen. Uh, I love a good holiday noir. This is a New Year's noir. It's directed by Alfred L. Worker. Who's probably best known for a 1948 film called He Walked by Night. Let me read the premise. On New Year's Eve 1946, Sheila Page kills her husband, Barney. She wishes that she could relive 1946 and avoid the mistakes that she made throughout the year. Her wish comes true, but cheating fate proves more difficult than she anticipated. This movie was meh to me. Uh, yeah, it was a bit dry. I think reading about it further, I think this was highly compromised. Something that was very interesting, highly compromised by the 1940s itself and uh, the censorship, the studio system and the Hayes Code. And because it's based on a book that has some. Well, well, one, it's the husband that is the killer, not the wife. It. And then uh, there's a notable character that's a transvestite in the book that, of course, they erase all of that in the film. So the story is this lady, Sheila, played by Joan Leslie. Mm -hmm. We see in the beginning of the film, it's New Year's Eve, 1946, and she shoots and kills her husband and then runs away, bumps into a friend, William Williams, <laughs> played by Richard Basehart. In his film, debut. He's a poet. And she's telling him what happened and that she wishes she could relive the year again. And she tells him this, like, as the clock strikes, strikes midnight. So her, so it's like every other movie like this, like Freaky Friday or... Peggy Sue Got Married. Or what's the one with Ryan Reynolds and... Oh, the Body Switch movie. That's the... Jason Bateman. I think that's the change up. Yeah. So then we cut to the next scene. It's New Year's Eve, 1945. We're back to the future. And she is uh, dressed differently. Her hair is different. And she slowly realizes, oh, my God, the year has started over. I like what finally gets that through her head, though, is that she's wearing last season's dress. Yeah. And then we go through. <laughs> she's reliving all of the things that led to her killing her husband, which we can surmise is that he falls in love with another woman. So Sheila is an actress. Joan Leslie is this stunning woman. Mm -hmm. And her husband, Barney, played by Lewis Hayward, who we can talk about. Yeah, we need to talk about him. But he is just this like alcoholic man who's not very attractive. And he falls in love with this woman named Paula, who is the playwright of the play Sheila was in. So you would think as she's reliving her year, when this offer to be in this play comes to her, that she would say, hell no. Nah. In fact, we're moving like to LA or something. Mm -hmm. No, she agrees to do it. And she just tells her husband, you have to promise me you won't see Paula or let her come here because Paula lives in the UK. But of course, that's not how things go. Paula ends up coming to work on the play as it's being workshopped or whatever. Of course, Barney falls in love with her like he did in that previous incarnation. The difference this time is that well, this is the, a weakness to the story, I think, because we don't really know what led to the initial killing. But in the re in in the replay, in the repeat performance, that Paula woman rejects Barney because we see that he gets injured 
which we can talk about. Yeah, we need to talk about that, Steve. And so he's an invalid on top of being an alcoholic, on top of being unattractive. Yes. And Paula basically is like over him. So he goes to try to be with her and she's like kick rocks. So he goes back to find Sheila and kill her because he blames her for everything. And right as he's about to shoot her, William Williams pops in and kills Barney. After he has escaped from a psych- psychiatric institution. Right. Not quite sure why he was committed, but he got out. And because William Williams is the only person Sheila really confided in, I guess that's how he knew to show up and help her. Take the blame. The end. Take the blame for Mame. I just think there were so many obvious ways this story could have been more interesting. I think that the the book probably is infinitely more interesting, but we weren't able to treat people as adults back First then. of all, Joan Leslie, who is, I mean, just, she couldn't be more beautiful, is just really flat to me. And she, she, is. she sees her life like replaying and these same dominoes that fell the first time, this bitch doesn't try at all <laughs> to redirect. Well, the way she tries is, I, it, it, it's a very human way that she tries. Like she wants the part in this play, but she's like, uh, I have to keep the playwright and my husband apart. So I know I'll ask that she just never come over to New York, which makes no sense. I didn't think it made sense. Like I, I think I, she's, I think she's selfish, but the film is also not developed enough to kind of showcase that part of her. The other thing is if it were me, like, like if I had to rework this story, I would say that we should make Sheila, like she should be more, uh, open about the fact that she knows what's coming. So maybe people mm-hmm. think that she's having premonitions. And so there's a sort of like mystery to her character. And then as, so then people maybe believe her and what ends up happening with her husband seems more spectacular than it is. Cause the film just ends William Williams shoots him and it's like, okay, well, I guess now his life is ruined instead of hers. Like, well, I wish she developed some friendships with one Virginia Field as the playwright or Richard Basehart as because Richard Basehart's character is supposed to be the transvestite in the book in the the book and and he is doomed of course to have some kind of psychiatric breakdown but it's almost it would have been really touching to see this woman with this queer friend trying to help him and maybe that pulling focus over this shitty ass husband she has because come to find that's the fate that she's married to an alcoholic asshole. Yeah. I didn't like, I think Lewis Hayward. Okay. Barney doesn't make sense. No, the, well, I think Virginia field is also beautiful. She looks like Rose McGowan before Rose touched her face. Mm, um, I'm not going to uh, co-sign on that one, but go ahead. Really? I mean, I, I, I do think she resembles Rose McGowan. <laughs> I didn't think she was compared to Joan Leslie. Well, I didn't say she's more, I think she's also. It's just, both these women are too beautiful for this man. Sure, but when you when 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 you throw all three into the mix, like that man with these two women right. and these two women, I mean, you're comparing like <laughs> so Lewis Hayward. I don't know who I'm not terribly familiar with, but he was married three times. His first wife was Ida Lupino. Poor Ida, uh, <laughs> kind of unlucky in love with sometimes. He, I read a, uh, that he was a mentee of Noel Coward, so immediately I'm like, oh, he's a he he's gay and that and you know you dig a little further yes he was he was a homosexual because no Noel, Co- Noel coward 
fantastic playwright, of course, and actor was very gay, uh, it, but not out at the time in the 40s, of course. And you read that uh, Leslie Lewis Howard died in Hayward, died in uh, Palm Springs. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a clear indication. Also, something I recall from him is that he died from lung cancer, which he attributes to smoking three packs of cigarettes a day for 50 years. Yeah. Five, zero. F-I-F-T-Y. Yes, he had an 80 cigarette a day habit. 60. Oh, I thought it was 80. Sorry. Three Six. packs. So that means that he was smoking like what? Four cigarettes an hour? Yeah, that's a lot. That that means you're smoking while you're eating. That means you probably have a cigarette on deck when you get out the shower. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're definitely smoking while you're having your BMs. Uh, you're smoking in bed, in the car. <laughs> you're smoking everywhere. He made it into his 70s, and he only quit five years before his death. But but he was just so gross in the movie. He's so unappealing. And then as he becomes more and more of an alcoholic, and then, so the way he gets injured is the lady from Gilligan's Island. Okay, I like Natalie Schaefer. I think she adds a lot of uh, necessary energy yeah but then it, i mean i agree but then it just felt like do you it, it it just put a uh it highlighted the fact that this movie has no energy yes <laughs> she also kind of does that in female on the beach with joan crawford but natalie schaefer plays this rich like older woman who is i guess like she's like giving benefactor vibes she backs a lot of these theater productions um, and, she's the one that is uh, has William Williams on her arm. Well, or on her payroll, because she basically insinuates, like, if I give you this money, you're going to give me some dick. That's how she acts. And she's going to print his book of poetry on vellum and bound in Morocco. Yeah. But she, at a point, is talking to, because Sheila is at a party and Paul is there and her husband's there. And Sheila's like, I don't know where Barney is. And Natalie Schaefer's character, the rich lady, goes, are you serious? Like, you're that dumb? And then she grabs a spotlight that just happens to be there. And she points a spotlight at, like, the mezzanine. QJ HUD. And we see Barney and Paula making out. And then, of course, they're startled because they were trying to do it in secret, and now there's a spotlight on them. So Barney freaks out and falls. He is, he's, <laughs> no, the looks on his face, he, because he's supposedly drunk, look, he looks like a trapped animal. He's so gross. And he climbs on the ledge of the, He's trying to like, I guess, plead to Sheila, like, baby, baby, baby. Like he's trying to say something. He falls right off. He, the way he falls <laughs> and then he injures himself. So he becomes like a paraplegic. But then the doctor says, if he really tries, he can walk. And then he's sort of, he's being vile towards Sheila as he's in this wheelchair with like a head injury. And we never see him walk, but it's clear that. He's faking that he He's can. faking that he can't so that he can eventually just get up and leave Sheila. Mm -hmm. And that's when he goes to get Paula. And she rejects him. The timing is weird too, because it's like this injury and the recuperation is one thing. And the, but then in the film, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, th it's Thanksgiving. They, they make sure we know it's Thanksgiving because almost the end of the year. I only have a few notes, but let me go through them. The opening of the film, there's narration, and the narrator says right before Sheila tells William Williams she wishes she could start the year over again. The narrator says, "How many times have you said I wish I could live this year over again?" And I thought, never. 
I have never thought I want to relive a year. But again. It, no, if there have been bad things that have happened that I'm like, if I could go back, but rest assured, if I got the opportunity, I would do everything I could to avoid that thing that happened. We find out William Williams has a book of poetry called Songs from the Solar Plexus. And <laughs> that's, that's right. Natalie that, Schaefer says that it. took me out. Songs from the Solar Plexus. <laughs> that needed to be workshop, sir. Poor Richard Basehart, who I know you didn't recognize, but we saw him very recently as the Sayer of the Law in the 70s version of Island of Dr. Moreau. Yes. So when Sheila attends her first party, now that she has this repeat performance opportunity, she sees Paula. And of course, she knows who Paula is and she knows how Paula affects her life. So she's being rude to Paula at this party. And everyone's confused. Like, how do you even know who this lady is? She's from the UK. She's had a middling hit in London. So they're all like basically asking Sheila what's wrong, which I thought was funny. And then I, I think you started singing that song. Oh, Sheila. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it needed some energy. She needed a beautiful woman, Joan Leslie. I but. think this would make a great like riff tracks, MST3K type. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's bad. It's just, it's just a little dry. Mm. <sighs> Sheila at a point where like it's her opening night of this play she's doing written by paula it's called say goodbye say goodbye and <laughs> we're in her dressing room and we hear her tell someone that she loves thousands of flowers i thought she was annoying but like bitch okay you need thousands of flowers in here and then william williams brings her like one old dried flower from his lapel like this lady has thousands of like bouquets in and her that, dress and that's where we learn that barney what he's not in love with anymore because he used to sing white send white roses and so then we see her agent tom conway um playing a man named john friday there's but, a point when sheila tells someone her housekeeper whose name is maddie maddie's making bran muffins for dinner yes those must be meaty there's the meat are those like yeah so back in the day where bran muffins like they have sausage they in them must <laughs> be different than the ones my dad used to make that would cause bad furious reaction furious jumping in my bowels yeah or the ones i will sometimes drive to the pavilions in west hollywood to get a, a, a raisin bran muffin <laughs> um yeah i think this could have been so much more interesting if sheila maybe tried to help other people and everyone thought that she had these like psychic abilities and maybe that gave her the freedom to because i think it would have been more fierce if maybe she convinced everyone that she was psychic or whatever and she helped other people and so she ends up when she does end up killing her husband maybe that's a way for her to get away with it or something yeah um again i can't believe these two ladies are even fighting over barney yeah i don't know what he has to it just offer doesn't anybody. make sense um so there's a point where sheila slaps paula but then Barney slapped Sheila. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, not prepared for that. He goes, well, lady, she didn't slap you back because she's a lady, but I'm not a gentleman. Yeah. And then at the end of the film, when Barney confronts Sheila, you know, Barney's still, you know, handy capable, I guess, because mm -hmm. he's walking all crazy. He's walking like Quasimodo. He has a big old bandage on his head with a cane. I just don't know how, I've said this before, but like, this this invalid is not gonna get the upper hand on me. It's just right. not gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, Sheila's a young, healthy woman, and that man was knocking her all over the place. <laughs> but also their age differences. I think Joan Leslie must have been about twenty one when she filmed this, and he was born in nineteen oh nine. 
Oh, like there is nothing. Um, somebody tells Sheila, Sheila Page, at one point, you're not expected to have good judgment or intelligence because you're a woman. And she goes, but I have intuition. <laughs> a woman's intuition. The one thing I do think whenever I watch film set uh, in the 40s is like these ladies had such nice style. Oh, like, yeah. They always look so nice Con- compared to how a lot of people run around looking nowadays. Well, especially in LA like <laughs> at, at your local Whole Foods. Okay, It's like, do your hair and put on a cute little outfit or something. I mean, um, I don't know. Should we expect people to have fur on at every possible? <laughs> oh, uh, Joan Leslie style. She, I don't even know what you'd call that. It, it's not quite a hat, but it looks like a, some at kind one of, point she looks like, yeah, she's wearing like a mink head wrap. It, what do you what do you call the thing priests wear around their neck? Like a hat? It's not a not the nun's habit. No, uh, it's not a uh, what? A, yeah, she has this weird like half headband made out of fur wrapped around her head, and it's not really wrapped around. It just it looks like it's it like just sitting on top, attaches at one point. Um, that was odd. It, I mean, it looked great. Her hair looked fantastic. But yeah, I don't have shit else to say about this movie. What would you give repeat performance? I would give it, a, you know, as you can understand, when I read the plot description, I'm like, this seems like something I need to have seen. Um, two and a half. I, it was remade starring Connie Selica and Joan Leslie pops up in it in 1989 for television called, I think, Turn Back the Clock. I would like to watch that. That would be interesting. But, you know, this is a conceit that we've seen many, many times. Um, it So, you know, it was between because I wanted to watch A Holiday Noir. Uh, it was between this and a film I've seen already called Christmas Holiday, starring <laughs> Dina Durbin and Robert, directed by Robert Sidemack, and also has uh, a, a Gene Kelly cast against type as a villain, and Gail Sondergaard's in it. It's based on a Somerset Maugham story, and Herman James Mankiewicz wrote the screenplay. But uh, that is a very excellent, really weird thing to see these people in this kind of film, and it's from 1944. I would give this film two and a half out of five. I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I just re- received uh, breaking news that uh, there was a report. There were, were reports that Tony Braxton and Birdman were married in a private ceremony in Mexico. Okay. However, Tony Braxton just posted that that's fake news. They are not and have never been married. Okay, this sounds like something that she needed to get her name out there. So somebody was paid to make a phone call with a hot tip. But I don't mind. You know, I like Tony Braxton. I mean, I don't know that I. it doesn't matter to me what happens. Uh, uh, is there anything else you'd like to say? No, it's the last day of the year. All right. Ta-ta. <laughs> Ha! <laughs>